911 ambulance, 75 year old male, back pain, 211 Silver Hollow Road, between Lane Road and Cross Road. Hi, welcome to Push Dose Medic, where we focus on core concepts for the beginner paramedic. I'm your host, Jaron Gerald. This podcast was created to build a bridge between the knowledge gained in the classroom and the clinical setting. So thanks for listening, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to the Push Dose Medic podcast. I hope everybody's been well. Sorry for the late post. Uh, we had snowmageddon over here in uh, western North Carolina and kind of put a damper on things. Been working and haven't had the time to put any content out. But we're back at it this week with a little Narcan knowledge. There it goes. I just yeah. squirt it out. Squirt it out. Suck it up. Suck it up that nostril. Yeah, I'm going all this. You're good. 151 Narcan administered. This week, uh, I want to talk about some Narcan knowledge. Uh, a widely available drug that we all carry and I'm sure we all use a lot due to the outstanding amount of calls we get for opiate overdoses. Through my day-in-day practice, I've seen good results, bad results, and unfortunately a lack of knowledge through Narcan administration and the signs and symptoms of why we should give it and how it actually works. No, in my agency specifically, we, I think, used to carry four or five boxes of Narcan. I think we're up to carrying about 10 now in our arrest bag and on the truck. Um, or the question is, are we carrying this much just, just due to the fentanyl-laced heroin or the polysubstance abuse where they're mix, mixing multiple types of opiates? Or are we just giving too much? Or are we trying to slam five or six boxes in them at a time? Um, do we know why we're giving it, how we're giving it, and how it actually works? So first, let's start out with a couple real-life scenarios that have happened. Uh, so you're en route to an unresponsive subject at a gas station after LEO was on scene doing a drug bust. Um, EMS and fire staging a couple blocks down, waiting for the all-clear to go in. As you're waiting over the radio, dispatch advised that you have one female subject Agonal breathing and Narcan has been administered by LEO. So upon arrival, you found the patient supine laying in a parking lot behind the building. Uh, CPR is in progress. Uh, no ventilation is going on. And EMS and fire assess the patient to have a bounding pulse, possibly tachycardic, and slow and shallow respirations. Airway management is started with uh, MPA, BVM, adequate respirations are being given, and EMS is starting IV and getting the patient prepped and loaded for transport. So your further assessment reveals the patient have pinpoint pupils and paraphernalia on the patient. Um, you suspect a opiate overdose, so you give 2 milligrams of Narcan. Further investigation reveals after talking to LEO that they gave 6 six of Narcan. Uh, cool. They did a good job. And, you know, due to polysubstance abuse, six milligrams probably may, and may be needed to restore, uh, respirations to adequate, adequate rate. Um, but later on you figure out, no, that was not the case. It wasn't six milligrams. It was six nasal auto injectors. And these, the ones that Elio carry are four milligrams per auto injector. Now, I'm not too good at math, but 6 times 4 is 24, and that's 24 milligrams of Narcan. 
That's appalling. That's absolutely ridiculous. Now you want to ask yourself, why was 24 milligrams of Narcan given? I don't know of a drug where you need 24 milligrams initially to regain uh, respiratory status. So now, totally, the patient has received 26 milligrams of Narcan. I'm sure as EMS, if you knew they received 24 prior to that, you probably wouldn't have given the two. Um, But going down the road, the patient eventually gains consciousness, goes immediately irate, vomits, aspirates, and now you have a whole another ordeal on your hand. You've taken this simple airway management from just an adjunct and a BVM to now trying to suction and decontaminate the airway so you don't have to end up intubating this patient due to impending airway compromise. So later on down the road, once you get the patient to the hospital and everything, you basically figure out that they put her on Narcan drip. She's been intubated on the vent, um, ends up spending an extended amount of time in the ECU due to the aspiration and the massive dose of Narcan and the withdrawals that she has gone through and basically ended up expiring, unfortunately. So this is not extremely uncommon for an overdose to go completely wrong in this aspect, but we have to think, is this purely purely due to our negligence of giving 24 milligrams of Narcan, or was it due to the actual opiate overdose itself? As I stated earlier when the scene was going on, she had a pulse, but she was unresponsive and receiving CPR. That's good. Bystander CPR is good. Um, it's very important in the chain of survival, but if the patient had a pulse, there was no need for CPR. She was basically in impending respiratory arrest. So the Narcan was given back to back to back to try to get the patient to wake up, which was the wrong thing to do basically giving maybe one or two auto injectors and waiting for a response and then adequately ventilating the patient because the patient doesn't die from the opiate overdose itself. They die from secondary causes from the respiratory depression. So the hypoxic event the patient suffers is why the patient ends up dying. So in this situation, you see the negligence of Narcan administration and unfortunately the patient ends up expiring. So I think what we have here is just a lack of education on when and when not to use the Narcan. Um, You've seen in the news they've had that woman that suffered the uh, hypoxic brain injury due to an asthma attack and the officer administered Narcan thinking it was an overdose. So the lack of education on his part is what caused that woman to suffer that anoxic brain injury. And I'm sure you've seen the police officers administering their self and other officers Narcan due to... uh, skin contact with possible fentanyl exposure, although data shows that that doesn't really exist. There's been no actual reported cases of fentanyl exposure through skin contact. So I think there's a fine line on whether you should or should not administer Narcan in some situations, but with a proper assessment, you can kind of narrow down what the exact cause is of why this patient is unconscious and is respiratory depressed. We are not heroes for waking up a patient from an overdose and putting them in full-blown withdrawal. Uh, Paramedics are highly trained professionals that should use proper clinical judgment and treat the patient accordingly. I've seen more times than not that the opiate is blamed for the cause of death, when in reality it's just the provider's poor assessment and it's a secondary hypoxic that actually kills the patient, not the opiate itself.
So let's get into uh, some fun stuff that everybody loves. It's pathophysiology. Um, so if you don't know, Narcan's an opiate antagonist. It basically latches onto the opiate receptor and blocks the opiate, opioid from attaching to the neurotransmitter. Most of the time it's given IV, but uh, in fast-acting situations it's given IN. A lot of the auto-injectors are IN. I've even seen some that are in uh, halfway houses that are IM, um, and it actually walks you through it. It has a voice that tells you how to open up the package, how to administer it, and what to do and when to call 911. So a little information on opioids as they're classified as agonists. Um, so they basically attach to a opioid receptor, mainly the mu receptor, which has to do with analgesia, sedation, and respiratory depression, and also that euphoria that they get when they ingest the drug that gives them that high. So when we're administering this Narcan, it's just a, a temporary fix until the opioid eliminates out of their system. This is just a way of blocking that opioid to attaching to that mu receptor so they don't feel any effects from the sedation, respiratory depression, that euphoria high, or any kind of dependence. Of course, there's multiple other drugs that can give you the same uh, suspicion as an opiate overdose. You have benzos, which will also give you that respiratory depression and that sedation. Um, and it's okay to administer Narcan in that. Uh, it's relatively harmless if a patient is not in an opiate overdose. It's okay to give that. Um, if you don't see any improvement, think of other things. Um, if you carry a benzo reversal agent, that's cool. I know a lot of uh, pre-hospital agencies don't carry that. But knowing that Narcan only helps with the uh, reversal of respiratory status, you shouldn't be given it just because they're asleep. And although it's it's relatively harmless uh, to the non-opiate user, if you give high doses and to complete that rapid reversal to the opiate user, you're putting them in danger and putting them at harm. Uh, it's doing more harm than good at this point. So I've seen a lot of uh, studies where they're talking about non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. Um, it's been caught in a few autopsies, and they're not completely sure on how it works, um, but they're kind of guessing that due to the massive catecholamine dump and the, from the rapid reversal of Narcan, the patient develops immediate pulmonary edema. Um, some people are saying this is due to increased pulmonary vascular permeability. Others are saying that they have like an incomplete glottic opening that creates a negative pressure that causes it. Um, it's not totally from what I know. Um, if there's different data out there, please let me know. But from what I've read, they're not completely sure on how it's happening. But it is one thing you do have to worry about. Another pulmonary issue is that when they are coming out of this kind of coma-like state, there is a chance that they will vomit, and due to their, them still being severely altered, that they aspirate on that vomit. And we know once that gets in there and the hospital gets to them, they'll be on a vent, and their ICU stay will be a lot longer than it should be just due to that aspiration. And again, this is this doesn't just affect the pulmonary system. It affects pretty much the whole body. So with the rapid reversal and high dose of Narcan administration, just trying to wake them up, you risk the patient seizing, uh, vomiting, and aspirating, like I said, and putting the patient into uh, different cardiac arrhythmias. And uh, speaking of arrhythmias, 
And I find it funny that people are still administering it. And I try to educate. Um, even AHA has said this, that Narcan has no role in resuscitation in cardiac arrest. So if you get on scene and your patient is asystolic with a needle in their arm, do not give Narcan. Resuscitate the patient by your guidelines and your protocols as you should. Narcan is not going to restart the heart. What's going to restart the heart is high-quality CPR and epi. Um, Narcan may have worked if they were agonally breathing and they still had a pulse, but the patient has died due to an hypoxic event. That's why they're in cardiac arrest. So the Narcan has no role in cardiac arrest at all. So we'll just reiterate this again, that we should be giving Narcan, obviously according to your protocols, but to increase respiratory depression and not mental status. It, I think too many times we're just trying to be the hero and wake people up and have them walk off and get a refusal or whatever. Um, but our knowledge in Narcan is so poor from pre-hospital to emergency department care. Um, we, we're giving it for the wrong reasons. We're not trying to wake them up. We don't want to wake them up. We don't want them to walk back in that bathroom 30 minutes later and use again. We don't want them to wake up, aspirate, and end up being in the ICU. We don't want them to die. We want to get them help. It's knowing the signs and symptoms of an opiate overdose and correctly treating them for that overdose. Um, another story just the other day, I brought in a lady that was postictal, and the ED gave her Narcan. Uh, just to the fact she was acting abnormal, and she f- she kind of fit the look of a drug user. Um, this was not good medical practice. This is not what we want to teach and display to our upcoming clinicians. She had no respiratory depression. She was satting fine. Her pupils were actually dilated, and she was just scared. She was postictal. She was not suffering for, from an overdose. She just simply did not know what was going on. Um, so the ED gave her Narcan, and obviously it did not do anything. They ended up giving her Ativan, and she came out perfectly fine. So just to wrap things up here, um, let's figure out how to educate more people on proper Narcan use. Let's help people, not harm people. If you find someone that's unresponsive, not alert to any kind of verbal or painful stimuli, and they have a pulse with agonal respirations, go ahead and give them some Narcan if you suspect an opiate overdose. Do not try to wake them up. Just use your basic airway management skills. Um, if you have to get to the point where you have to introduce endotracheal intubation, so have it. Um, but just a simple NPA, OPA if able, and BVM ventilations are enough to get them to the hospital and get them proper treatment. There is a reason why the hospitals use Narcan drips and not Narcan boluses uh, to treat these patients. Um, it's a slow process. It's not a hit them with 26 milligrams of Narcan and sign a refusal. Um, This is not what we should be doing to our patients, and this is not what we should be teaching upcoming clinicians. And just as a disclaimer, I'm not telling you how to treat a patient. Always follow your local protocols. These are just suggestions and my own personal views. That's going to wrap it up for this week, guys. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Hope you have a good holiday, and we'll see you next week.